Welcome to the first episode of the behind the scenes content for the question, since remembered, by Don't Sue Us Please. In this first episode, we have some of the voice actors from the question. This will be the first part of this interview with this group of actors. We talk about recording, acting, writing, music, and politics, and anything else that we can tangent our way into. Fortunately for you, we stayed so on track this time that there won't be any cuts. That means that I won't have to narrate in the middle. You'll get one continuous stream of ideas. One really important thing to note is that these interviews contain a massive amount of spoilers for the question. We won't be stopping ourselves and there won't be spoiler warnings. We strongly suggest that you listen to both episodes of the question since remembered before listening to this interview. Finally, before we begin, I'd like to let you know that episodes like this are brought to you by listeners like you supporting us on Patreon. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the superhero podcast. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to everyone out there listening in, in the world of podcasting. Uh, it is delightful to have you here. My name is Kelly Johnston, and I am one of the producers of the Don't Sue Us, Please podcast. And we are here today with members of the cast from, as well as the author of uh, The Question, Sins Remembered. So um, I'm going to ask, starting uh, just, I'm going to go around, I'm going to call out in the order I can see you on my screen uh, to just introduce yourselves and uh, tell us who you played or what you did. So starting with you, Mr. Matthew Klein. Hi, I'm Matthew Klein, and uh, I have the privilege to call myself the author of the radio drama. Nicely said. Miss Chris Anthony. Hello, uh, I am Chris, and I I got to play um, the Mikado <laughs> and her alter ego, the Doctor. Mm. Excellent, Miss Heidi Armbruster. Excuse me. Uh, uh, okay, okay. I just had to quick scroll through my Google machine to determine what the name of my character was. <laughs> but I'm Heidi Armbruster, and I forgot her name. But she's badass. <laughs> but I don't remember. Her. Mr. Klein. I believe you played Myra. Yes. Thank you. Yes, she did. Right. Thank you. Right. Ta-da. The wife of the mayor or or ex-wife, widow, widow. widow. What I mean, this is this comes know. out spoilers. after Yeah, spoilers yeah. going on here. <laughs> well, yeah. This yeah. is gonna yeah. drop after this is gonna drop after episode two. Oh, okay. It's out today. Okay. So I, I'm gonna say I'm I'm recording on the Our on the release day of episode that's, two. That's true. All right. Um, uh Alfred, oh sorry, Heidi, don't let no, me interrupt. But I think I'm just gonna do that again clean in case you wanna cut out the fact that I didn't there. know who I was. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Heidi, I just said the doctor. Did you we notice that doctor had no name? Did you notice that? We won't actually be editing much because we find the disasters are what people love but no 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 this is great, but you got to keep all of this give, give us a, give us a, give us a i'm here one. to serve give I'm us a clean one. Serve. i was i'm no i still am i'm heidi armbruster and i played myra hells yeah well done you alfredo that's right i'm alfredo and i'm here to verify that heidi did in fact play myra <laughs> in the question sins remembered parts one and two that's wow. right Wow, and, uh, <laughs> nicely done. And uh, I played Vic Sage as well as The Question. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And last but never least, Ronnie. Uh, yeah, my name is Ronnie Clark, and uh, you heard my voice uh, to trying to impersonate Tot, as he is uh, so well known by us all. Nice. Nice. <laughs> all right, so welcome. Um, first of all, just uh, this is the way we tend to do this, guys, is we I'll throw out stuff i'll ask a question and we find that they generally tend to tangent on their own and we don't we don't tend to really curb that we find that that's far more interesting than 
putting a limit. So feel free to just jump in. It's not very structured. So the first question is, how, <laughs> how familiar were you with uh, the question before recording this? How well did you or did you not know? We should remark on the punniness, right? Go ahead. Who, who, who's that question for, though? That, that was open, Mr. Klein, oh. but I'll throw it to you because if you didn't know anything about the question, we were well, all. Well, I was going. I was going to say for for a few things. One, for writing it, I needed to know something basic. Um, two, I work in comic books, so I, I if I don't know, I'm really going to lose a lot of cred. Uh, no, so it's funny. Um, I actually first learned about the question. Uh, through uh, the Justice League uh, cartoon show. Right. And then after being absolutely enthralled with the portrayal on there, I went back and I deep dove into the comics. Uh, specifically, I went into uh, the biggest influence for the show really comes from the seminal run in the mid 80s uh, by uh, author Denny O'Neill, mm -hmm. uh, who was one of the granddaddy uh, editors at DC Comics for many, many years, was one of the most influential creators for uh, Batman in the 70s and 80s and 90s, as well as uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, um, and artist Dennis Cowan. Um, and they did this incredible three-year, 36-issue run um, that really took DC Comics at a time, along with like Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns, into a very like gritty, more mature, overtly political uh, time for, for the medium. And that run just really, really captivated me. And I've been a huge, huge fan of the question in part because of his very noir roots uh, since then. And uh, just loved it. I actually bought uh, two years ago at Emerald City Comic Con, the very first appearance from 1967, I believe it was, by wow. uh, Steve Ditko, who is one of the co-creators of Spider-Man yeah. as well. This was one of his... Uh, his other uh, kind of babies he helped birth into the world of our imaginations. Wow. Nice, How, how's the issue? Uh, the issue is a 7.5 CGC. I disagree with that. I think it should have been closer to an eight, uh, but it is in a beautiful sealed plastic case, officially graded. Uh, and I'm very, very, very grateful to have it. So. so did you get a chance to look at it before it got sealed away? Yes, so, you know, yes, I got to hold it, flip through it, and check All the right. condition. And I believe it was right after uh, Steve Ditko passed away, actually, uh, oh, that wow. I purchased it. It was like well, two weeks after he died. Yeah. So certainly the value shoots yeah. up, as sad as it is to say, because Ditko is no more. I mean, look at Van Gogh. This is what happens with <laughs> art. Uh, <laughs> sure. oh my God, yeah. I love nerds so yeah. much. <laughs> I love nerds so much. Well, right. the, sad, the sad thing is, is like the whole nerdiness. I'm, I went in the wrong direction. I was supposed to be reading a role in the question. So I started reading a bunch of existential philosophy, thinking I'd find the answer. And then they told me I'm playing a role called Aristotle. And I'm like, I'm in the wrong genre of philosophy. It completely it started in the wrong place. Yeah. That's, I, yeah, I'd do it. Actually, that's you perfect. Dove, you dove into the that's exactly what you should know. <laughs> so... What about, what about, uh, well, Fredo, you played the question. Did you know about the question prior to us reaching out to you about this? Yeah, I, I, I know markedly less than Matthew. That's, that's for sure. Um, uh, but no, I hadn't, I hadn't actually heard of the question before. And so I did a little uh, research then after that and to find that he was like sort of the predecessor to Rorschach and Watchmen mm -hmm. was like very interesting to me. Uh, but I think the thing that really fascinated me about it was um, how, Stit, uh, how Ditko was way into uh, Ayn Rand's um, objectivism, right? which really I, I thought was very interesting. And, and then I, I forget, I don't know if you guys know much about Rand's like objectivist epistemology at all, but um, I mean, the fact that Aristotle is a character in this I can't remember if she, if she liked Aristotle or she liked Plato. I think it was Aristotle. It was Aristotle. It I was think. Aristotle. Yeah. It, liked, rather than Plato. I think. Plato. Right. Yeah. I think so too. But it's very, it's very fascinating stuff. Yeah. Matthew, actually, you, I remember we talked about that because you mentioned mm -hmm. that the earliest version of the question was little, uh, what was the term you used? Rugged. Oh, <laughs> rugged. Okay. Yeah. Fascistic? Rugged. All right. <laughs> Individualistic. Yeah. 
So because you, yeah. you you consciously chose not that like because there have been a couple of different iterations of the question, right? As as with most all comic book characters who are around long enough, they they kind of get rebooted. Uh, the question was originally part of a different comic book company called Charlton Comics. Um, and they were bought up by DC Comics, and then the question was kind of rebooted, revamped, and brought in there in in the 80s. Um, and the Charlton characters, to your point, Fredo, like those are the ones that Alan Moore wanted to use as Watchmen, and DC said absolutely not. So Moore just literally thumbed his nose to DC editorial and was just like, all right, then I'm going to make the most obvious references to them um, and created <laughs> the, the characters that you know today. So, so the question started out as a very kind of like almost nihilistic on some level kind of version in the 60s. Uh -huh. And then Denny O'Neill and Dennis Cowan really took it into a more kind of Zen Eastern philosophy kind of deal in, in the 80s to make it a little bit more palatable. And also in the mid 80s, that was something that was kind of gaining ground in popular movement. Sure. It was kind of like Eastern... Uh, Eastern religions, Eastern films were making a bigger impact. So they wanted to go into there, um, you know, and what's fascinating is, you know, the evolution of comic books in these characters are so much a reflection of culture as it is. They're really these incredible time capsules of, of what's going on. And so, so you see that evolution with Vic Sage very much all the way up until the early 2000s, which is some of my favorite question stories. Nice. All right. Uh, Chris, how about you? How familiar were you with the question prior to all this? So what's interesting about this conversation <laughs> is that it's sort of an object lesson in why <laughs> I knew absolutely nothing about the question. Um, because, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in a baseball town. So I get people who understand stats, you know, like I did that. I, I'm, I'm a Shakespeare teacher and I get people who are like totally fanned out and totally geeked out and know every act and scene and character, right? Like I get that. Um, but I think in my own personal nature, I'm somewhere in between. Like I've always felt a little bit like I dare not ask because I don't want to be wrong um, when it came to comic books. So I was really excited about being able to do this and learn about Hub City and looks like, oh, well, then is that Chicago? Is that Detroit? Like what is Hub City? If, if God it was, it was York, actually, I believe it was Detroit originally. I think it was uh, modeled after Detroit, even yeah. more so than like New York or Chicago. Because Detroit was still broke in the mid 80s and was really considered like the auto industry pretty much left for the most part. And it was during like the, the post recession there, you were getting towards the panic of 87. So I, I'm pretty sure Hub City was based on Detroit, actually, now that you mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, so like that kind of stuff is interesting to me and what you were saying about, you know, each piece being a, a time capsule or a reflection of its time is, mm -hmm. is really fascinating to me. So what are the role of women in this world? You know, like I will never forgive whoever did the, uh, what was that Batman? There was a Batman, no, Batwoman with Halle Berry. Catwoman with Halle Berry. I don't yeah. know if anybody saw it. I looked at the movie poster and I was like, what is she wearing on her feet? No one can fight crime in those those T-strap. No. Like, I was like, no, y'all ain't serious. Y'all ain't serious about fighting crime. I don't even need to watch this movie. Right? That's that's one of the cool things about the question, though, is the question is a very, like, because comic books, they really do have a very, like, heightened idealism, you know, the, the ideal body for men and women that yeah. archetypes like muscles on top of muscles, um, very skimpy clothing and a lot of the costumes, whereas the question is a guy in a trench coat and a hat, you know, with no powers, and that's one of the cool things about this world is it totally deglams and stays away and one of the cool things about his villains are that they are not super villains. They are serial killers. Um, they are organized crime. They are city corruption. They are very populist in that way. And, and that's one of the things that was so appealing about doing this character in conjunction, uh, you know, in opposition of the Wonder Woman series we've done, which was very classic kind of superhero from right. Madame Xanadu, which is very supernatural and magic based. And here it's just, you know, one guy in a mask 
you know, literally fighting an entire city with his fists and his voice. Yeah, and I was really fascinated by what this means, what it means to do this in 2020. What, what are, you know, like, how is this podcast now about us and about a reflection of us right now? Like, yeah. in what way do we want to hold our leaders accountable for things? And mm. in what way is it up to an individual citizen yeah. to make a change? Yeah, well, I, I love that Fix Age is a journalist as well. You know, and there's this 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 um, attack on the media these days. So the idea that a journalist is actually, you know, suiting up, so to speak, and going out and fighting crime is kind of amazing in the times that we're living in right now. Yeah. Well, I think it, most of the journalists nowadays think they're doing that anyway, quite frankly. <laughs> I think they are the question. <laughs> I think well, they're not as glamorous, but uh, I think they think they're about that good at fighting crime. It is, it is interesting that, that between this, the question which Matthew has written, and then um, the, the next piece we have coming up, which Matthew, are we at the point where we can say? Um, uh, I mean, this, we can say like it, and if we can sure. say it, yeah. and if we don't, then just bleep it out. Okay, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Bye. Um, thank you. Everybody God. wondering, Josh's name is God. Um, <laughs> not, to be, not to be Josh. confused with Josh Gad. That's yeah, <laughs> completely different, Josh. Um, no, uh, the the next one coming up that uh, John Petrie, the, the other co-head writer of the podcast, wrote is called Byliners, and it focuses on Lois Lane. Um, oh God, help me, Matthew. Lois Iris Lane. West. Iris West, thank you. Iris Vicky West. Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale and Kat and Grant. Kat Grant. Yeah. So it's again for journalists. And and like honestly, Fredo, I hadn't even really twigged on that till you said it. And I was like, oh God, we have a whole media thing closing out the end of the year. And it is about journalists doing their job. Like, you know, I mean, you know, some of them without a face or, you know, whatever, but yeah. <laughs> right. No, but that's, that's the interesting thing though, right? Fredo is like at the end of it, that what I love about the journey that you take with this piece and what you did such a beautiful job of, of tracking and going through is, is the, the Vic Sage in this starts thinking that a journalist has no place to be a hero, that he cannot actually make a difference. And by the end of it, you go through this really cool journey of discovering, no, I need to do both. I need to both, I need to speak the truth on camera and I can do something beyond just the day job as well. In this case, be a vigilante, but, but uh, essentially you can, you can still do more than just that. Yeah, right, yeah. So uh, Heidi, how about you? How familiar were you, were you with the question prior oh, to all I've this? loved the question ever since I was. Can you imagine? No, XCAT come is no surprise. I knew nothing. Listen, I was open to the, like, listen, I was open to the like, you know, I discovered the question when I was five and the, you I know. didn't know my character's name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you kind of walked into that one, Kel. That's true. That's true, but I'm trying to play fair here. You know. it, it was no, a rhetorical it, question. It was, yeah, 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 it was really, yeah. <laughs> The total lack of condescension about my like complete lack of knowledge about this world. Oh, please, but, listen. No, but you know what's crazy is like, I don't know anything about any superheroes. I don't know how it just like completely missed me in my child. What I was doing, I was reading like probably Agatha Christie mysteries is the thing like I geek out about, you know, when I was like 12. Sure. So like my whole inroad to this entire world, like this entire genre has been you guys, has been Matt and Kelly, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> you guys and um so, but it's crazy because like i didn't know how to pronounce the mascara until we did the wonder woman oh, podcast man. and then like feeling this end of it and like this noir world this his girl friday journalism you know mm -hmm. especially this woman and i think matthew does a really good job of um of writing the women in these worlds. I mean, like I did the Wonder Woman podcast with you guys before I saw the Wonder Woman movie. And then I did this and I can't remember where it was that, but it was right after Chadwick Boseman died that mm. I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen that film. I haven't seen any of the Marvel anything. So I started this, um, you know, rewatch, but I had never oh. watched them ever. Wow. Chron chronological order. 
Wow. Pandemic. Whoa. Oh, wow. So that's okay. taking you really all six months, basically. <laughs> yes. And it's crazy to like, oh my God, have a way into this world that is like, I mean, it's so interesting this conversation about Aristotle and Plato and Rand, and, and because you do have these epic forces of good versus evil, and all of the, you know, you play out all of the resulting philosophy around it. Like, this world is fascinating. I never would have even entered into it had it not been for the two of you. So, oh, all of you. Well. So, I appreciate that enormously because it is like, Yay. go genre. <laughs> go genre. Yeah, go genre indeed. Um, that's one of the most elegant defenses of it I've ever heard, Heidi. I gotta tell you, those are rare, like, just to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, Mr. Clark, how about you? How familiar were you with, uh, with the question part of this? Not, not very at all. Uh, never, um, I've never really been into comic books in terms of getting into them in a personal sort of way. Um, but uh, really, what was interesting is I felt like parallels in some ways to the world uh, Frank Miller's Sin City here. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I did enjoy those, but, you know, and I, I did actually, that was a series that I read. Uh, a friend of mine suggested it and I picked that up. So I read it before I saw those movies. And then, of course, I enjoyed the movies as well. Um, and though I joke about it, uh, actually, I do geek out in my own way reading philosophy oh i know you do i do i know you know, <laughs> I know I do. You do. <laughs> um so what's really bizarre is uh this kind of character is one that uh, i've tackled in various different forms uh in different plays and and it is a character that i kind of love is this kind of um the wise uh or or you know wise or the thinking kind of you know processing kind of character that uh, is that that has a lot of experience uh, and a lot of wisdom, but always discounts it because he knows that there's no value to it to a degree, but there is value for other characters and you know his wisdom. And now that I'm saying this, I think maybe that's how I live my life and might have to make some changes. <laughs> there's no time like 2020. Yeah, you know, 2020 is the year of it, pal. Well, it's interesting you say that because. Um, and and to 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 further elaborate for folks, so I know Ronnie and Chris from uh, grad school from from Cal Arts, and uh, Alfredo and Heidi know each other prior to this through uh, it was through it was through the Atlantic Theater Company. Uh, no, it's actually just I think through the theater community, but we're oh. actually both from Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, and then Matthew the just right showed up. I, he didn't, I don't even know how he got the Zoom invite. I don't, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what no, happened. I actually think, though, I know Fredo longer than all of you on the call because I was working at the new group when you worked oh, on The Good yeah. Mother yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, with right. uh, Gretchen Mall, and I was the artistic associate under Scott Elliott and Ian Morgan there. Um, and that's technically yeah. where he and I, I think, first crossed paths. Wow. Uh, so all a these... play that went on while Hurricane Sandy happened. That's right. I will oh. never forget oh that Oh, my night. God. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I remember. Mm -hmm. Oof. Oh, yeah. It was, there was a great joke in there where uh, Gretchen Mall's character, the power gets turned off. And this happened literally in the midst of the weekend of Hurricane Sandy. And that joke got a massive laugh. I bet. <laughs> oh, yeah. I bet. It's funny. Remember, remember when disasters were like Hurricane Sandy? Remember when they were just yeah. like they were over in a weekend, you know, remember, there was when they were concrete and not abstract? Yeah. yeah, As opposed to like, yeah. it's just, you know, like just, you know, never ending seeming like. like remember <laughs> when disasters were only natural? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When only we only had to worry about the planet trying to kill us. Now it's, yes. it's, yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. it's everybody. I mean, we still have that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There's, yeah. It's not like it's letting up. Um, no, I was going to say, uh, Ronnie, cause I remember you played, um, calling all the way back. Uh, they did, um, Troilus and Cresta, which, you mm. know, is the box office record breaker of Shakespeare. <laughs> you love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you played Ulysses and yes, it, it, like what you were describing, just the way you were describing top makes me think about like, not just from Troilus and Cresta, but even in the Iliad, like the idea of Ulysses, like. Yes. Someone who has been to war and knows that side of things and is now just trying to, in that case, just trying to get home, right. you know, and, and being waylaid along the way and, and, and his influence helps out others around him potentially. Yeah. Also, of course, Ulysses also gets a great number of people killed along the way. Yeah, sure, well. sure. Yeah. There's always that. 
Yeah. Right. yeah I, for I, those I who don't know, know like Ulysses is actually Odysseus as well. So some of you yes. might know the right. Odyssey. Yes. Same Sorry. character. Shakespeare yeah. just renamed him. But I also did Cleont in Tartuffe. So it's like <laughs> this is a habit Ooh. of mine to oh, play wow. these yeah, you're right. characters. Um, how long have you had the beard, Ronnie? Uh, how long has the beard had me? It's had me for about eight years. <laughs> it's <had> you. I <laughs> it. No, it's, it um, has to have been longer than eight years. Uh, I started growing it out in about uh, it's it, oddly, I started growing it out when I started transitioning to doing more film and TV work. And that was about 10 years ago. Technically, I started growing it out. It reached this length. Well, not now. It's got COVID length on it, right? So <laughs> I'd take another three inches off this to still call it a long beard. Um, <laughs> but uh, that it was at it was at the longer length, uh, probably around 2012. So about eight years at the long. Wow. Length, yeah. It's amazing. But it man. took wow. me about about a year and a half, two years to get the full length on it obviously and you you yeah, have actually listeners, literally listeners ronnie has the most <laughs> magnificent beard mr clark has got a beard that goes down like like it, it i don't know to his chest at a minimum like this cascading ronnie, waterfall when, of a when beard. i sent when i sent kelly the scripts for this podcast right. uh as we were starting to talk about casting immediately he was like, "Oh, I got Todd. I, I got Todd. <laughs> I got. I got Todd. Oh, we don't have. And they don't have to be here in New York. York. Oh, I got this. You are <laughs> the only person he reached out to about this role. So, <laughs> so thank God you said yes because you yeah, said right? no. I'd have been like, "Well, I, that's it. That's I, I do one. That's it. I'm out of beards. I don't know where ZZ Top is. <laughs> <laughs> only one beard guy I know. ZZ Top is not available for this gig. So, you know, we got to do what we can." you've gotten work off it. that you've gotten oh, work sorry. off that beard though dude like you oh, literally yeah. i know have gotten yeah. cast because you were got that thing hanging on your face sure yeah my my joke is is the beard gets work and i follow wherever it wants me to go <laughs> <laughs> it's symbiotic relationship I don't know. So, exactly I, I have to buy are you you're you're teaching right ronnie yeah i uh i teach uh acting at uh, loyola marymount university and also now at california state university northridge Nice. But so. back in the day, like even when you had the beard, weren't you weren't you doing some substituting out in Cali? Oh, yeah. 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 No, I've I've actually been a teacher since I graduated with my master's degree. Uh, okay. I went straight to substitute teaching. I didn't I actually did have a long beard when I graduated, but I shaved it off right when I graduated. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I it was just never my I did have long hair at the time, too. Right. Which I, still I remember you, you and, were rocking um, the Jesus thing. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> The, fa the Fabio Jesus I've always yes yes um, <laughs> well my, but, uh, my question is when when you come into a classroom high school middle school students with that beard does it do, does that gain you any more or less respect in the room I'm genuinely curious well I'll tell you if you go back literally about six years then it gained me a lot but that was because I did a, a role on salmon cat on Nickelodeon Right. And the role was Herb, right. the homeless character. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, boy, yeah, you got a lot of clout for that one. Yeah, <laughs> that really went well. <laughs> I, oh, God. I literally just went into a now. hot panic because yeah. I just recognized you. My favorite full circle there is oh, I literally am teaching college students now who were junior high students then. <gasps> and recognize me from the show and go, oh yeah, yeah, just kind of like you did, Josh. <laughs> That's awesome. Think about it, I, I've, I've had like, okay, so every time we have interacted, I've had the, I've seen you somewhere, like feeling, but I was like, but I'm not, but I'm not sure. And then I like, so I'm like, I'm not gonna say anything cause I, I you know, whatever. And then just now you said it and I literally just like stuttered through my brain as it like, came to like the forefront i was like oh my god um but now i have to watch that so like my my qualifier like i'll put this part in the episode so when i when we email and like text and talk and i mentioned like a scene with you in it i will mention i was like oh the scene with ronnie and then parentheses jazz music intensifies and then like keep going because like every time and like now i'll be like on the phone with like Nora, I was like, yeah, I was working on this scene. Like there's a scene that was just totally screwing me over and it was with Ronnie, jazz music intensifies. And like, <laughs> so now I'm gonna have to go back and watch Sam and Cat and be like, oh, yeah, jazz music intensifies. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
the crazy. And every time my character does his little catchphrase of my life's going great. And that's the kind of that's the whole thing that it was about. You had a catchphrase. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Crap, dude. I feel like oh, having yeah. a catchphrase is one of the great dreams. I mean, like, that's, damn. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, a Disney Network. Catchphrase. That's that's the thing for the yeah, sequel. Yeah, right? I'm gonna oh. write. I'm gonna write for you, Fredo, a catchphrase. That's gonna be <laughs> there. You go. Well, we I mean, a there you go. Well, all of you. All of you work have, have, are, are either working or have worked in film and television as well as on stage, right? I'm not, yeah. nobody's chosen out of like, none of you have turned your back on television and film because it's beneath <laughs> you, I'm, I'm yeah. saying. Because um, we, uh, we have turned our backs on the paychecks. No, uh, God, no. Like, <laughs> don't, don't talk crazy. Because um, Heidi, you were just talking about you're going to have to, you're, I know you're out of, uh, actually you, Ronnie, and Chris are uh, uh, not here in New York. Only only Fredo and, and Matthew and I are. And then Josh is over in Colorado. But you were saying you ha were going to have to come back in for a day of shooting. And Ronnie, uh, you, were, yeah. you were talking about having just shot. So like things are, things are moving. And things then, seem and, to be percolating a little yeah. bit, a little bit for me. But a little bit for me probably means they're percolating quite a lot for other people. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Oh, it's got, well, seems like things are. Yeah, it's they, they seem to be trickling around. I, I did have the the great fortune to work on a, a new TV show that'll be done. I'm not sure what obviously when it's coming out, but I worked uh, just a couple weeks ago, early October on that and got did a couple days. But then, you know, I and I did and I had an opportunity to work on a film, a new Channing Tatum film, but they've kind of halted and I'm not sure why. So we might, you know. So I think this is what it, the problem is, is like, it's kind of go, but go carefully and you might have to pause, stop or, right. you know, read. Potentially indefinitely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the world yeah. we live in. And, you know, obviously we got to take careful steps because in the world of film and TV, you know, their proximity is a must. So it's got to be done really carefully. And yeah. the unions yeah. have done a great job of kind of putting protective measures in place, but nothing's a guarantee, of course. Right. right. And Chris, you you're teaching at Chicago and you just had, a, you had a show, right? Like you, or you are working on a show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm at DePaul university right. in the theater school. And, um, you know, one of the great things, one of the interesting things about doing a show in a university is that you've got a full staff all the time, right? Because so many people are working mm -hmm. on their assignments. And so there's a set designer and an assistant set designer. Like every department has assistants I and know, backup it's, and it's staff. It's glorious, isn't it? Right, it's the, it, it will never be this way again, <laughs> right? Like having come from small nonprofit theater, it's like, who are they? Like, so what do you do? What is that job, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, yeah. And so I was, um, asked to direct a show for our Theater for Young Audiences series that usually runs in this glorious like 1920s kind of movie palace style theater in oh, downtown cool. Chicago, mm -hmm. the Reskin. Um, that's where the TYA shows happen. And so there's, you know, hundreds of kids, if not a thousand kids, I think it's like a 1200 seat house every, oh, wow. every matinee. And, um, and then the shutdown, and um, there was a lot of uncertainty and our school is on quarter. So we were actually in school until June. Um, mm -hmm. And so wow. we had all the social unrest that was starting happening while we were still in class. A lot of things were working. And so mm -hmm. we, it's a very long story, but the short version is that we decided not to do productions this quarter, but move all the productions um, later in hopes that we could be in person to do them. Okay. But knowing that fall was not going to be in person, except we wanted to do something for schools. We wanted to make something available for the students and the teachers who are also at home and trying to negotiate what is school. And we were originally going to do um, a Cheryl West adaptation of a novel for young adults called The Watsons Go to Birmingham. And it's about a family from Michigan that travels down to Alabama and they're in Alabama essentially for the 16th Street church bombing. Um, oh, wow. And, and it's about um, a family that really 
uses the tools of resilience that are required to get through hard things, right? They've got music, they've got family history, they've got stories, they've got laughter, all these things. And so we wanted to do something for young people today to help them realize that they have what they need and that there are ways to get what they need to get through these really hard times. Yeah. And, and our DePaul students wanted to talk about race and they wanted to talk about stuff that's going on in the streets. So, you know, we kept getting this, well, there won't be any in-person classes. Well, there won't be any production. Well, you don't have the rights to stream it. Well, you don't, <laughs> it's like wow. all these things. So yeah. it's like, fine, wow. we'll just, that's okay. It's okay. We'll write one. We'll just make one up. And so we did, we devised a, a story um, inspired by the Watsons and what uh -huh. was going on. And we brought in these great artists, Rose Portillo and Peter Howard and John Royal, uh, all these folks who are artists who also specialize in dialogue. And, mm -hmm. and we created a story about a sweet little family in Chicago that's dealing with COVID and they have to wear masks um, when they go outside and people have to wear masks because originally that was the thing. Okay, we need the technical theater students to build things and the design mm -hmm. students have already designed things. So we need to like finish out this semester <laughs> Right, this is, right, right. These are their assignments. This is their evaluation and assessment. And so right. um, it was sort of a almost a backwards design. We basically took all the technical and design needs and put them in the creative box and said, oh, you know, costume students have to learn how to build something. So we have to make sure we have this dress in the story or sure. we don't know sure, sure. what the story sure, sure. is, but we're going to build a set first. So how does that work? Mm. So we did. We totally just made it up and the students did a beautiful, beautiful job. But right as we were getting closer to filming, the COVID number started to tick up. And mm. so it was decided that we could only shoot with one person on stage oh, at a time. Oh, man. So it, we had to like devise this sort of split screen <laughs> kind yeah. of yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. has a zone on the stage and nobody leaves their zones and we right. borrowed from SAG's protocols and equities protocols on right. how to clean everything yeah. so we had two we had like six hours to, wow. <laughs> to do this thing on the stage wow. and that was it and um the students were fantastic, but you know, like there's been so many companies streaming things yeah. and going yeah. into the archives. Yeah. And, and I think that it's it's really fascinating to think, you know, what what has become of our world, you know, what has what is Listen. the form, what is it all gonna look like? Well, and and what's really cool too is like to work on a project like this where you know it's it's old school radio drama, right? Yeah. But it's still during this time, it's a very viable form of generating new content at a time when people are hungry and need some escapism, some Absolutely. catharsis, it, you know, yeah. a and, respite for a half hour. from. Yeah. The, and I, I would just like to take this opportunity to point out that the question always wears a mask. So does Mikado. Like, you know. Yeah, they're not they're not doing super spreader events. That's true. <laughs> they, both, they are definitely yeah. not. They can be trusted. Yeah. All right, so I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> in their own way yes it was so, intentional it was canon we totally meant to, to do it wear exactly yes. um yes. so here's here's the thing i wanted to ask so with with our process because um while there is a long tradition of radio drama it's not like matthew and i either one of us like came up doing that so some of this has been rediscovering the wheel in the sense of it's it's not even like right now we're having a Zoom conversation that we're recording, but like when we record or when when we're thinking about it, it's not it doesn't have a visual element at all, right? So mm -hmm. um, so obviously the uh, with Josh's help and he was instrumental in figuring this out, we figured out to do so we do a a a, a table read so everybody gets to at least see each other once, say hello, get a sense of things, and we record that and use that as a guide track that we send out to everybody. And then what we do is we take your lines out so that you're actually playing, you're learning your lines, you're hearing the script so you can fill in your lines. And then of course, when it comes time to record, when this is where the question is headed, um, when it comes time to record, some of you, I think, who was our very first victim, Josh? Was it Heidi? 
no, it, no, I can't remember who was first. No, Heidi was pretty late. Uh, Ronnie was one of our first. Ronnie, I think Ronnie was like our our second. So like the point being that I like, can't remember who was first. Oh, Adam, was we first. have to record first, first. Has only the guide track to guide off of, but then as it goes, they then get the we're able to splice in real takes. So that, for instance, in this end, I know just because of the way it timed out, Fredo was the last to record and so you were playing against the actual recordings we used for the you know the final product yeah but you didn't get to actually work with your fellow actors you know like side by side you you dealt with me and josh being morons for like two hours while you tried to actually record stuff so here's the thing given that you knew y'all you know like freddie you knew heidi prior ronnie you certainly knew chris prior was it ever i i don't know Chris, if you and Ronnie ever had lines that crossed, but I know Heidi, you and, and Fredo had scenes against each other. Was it easier, even though it wasn't live, because it was the voice of somebody you knew? Does that make sense? Like no, familiarity totally. of like, because it's one thing to play against somebody you've never met, right? But it's another thing when it's somebody that's like, I've known this person. And so like, you can then begin to like hear intonation in what they're saying in a way oh. that... You know what well, I'm saying? Like, yeah, no. Well, well, the interesting yeah. thing about it is, you know, when you, you, when you're only hearing sound, your imagination has to, to, to pick up a lot of the slack. And so, when you already know the person, like you're imagining them doing certain things and reacting in a certain way, based on um, what you're hearing, and so that kind of fills out that for you in your imagination. So that that can help. Uh, quite a bit and I was very lucky because I did go last so I got to hear the performances and I got to react to those performances which were all amazing yeah no you guys you guys did a great job so how was it oh oh, sorry Josh go ahead I was I was gonna say what's really interesting with like everybody's timing that I noticed because I go through and like you know after everybody's gone through I go through and like adjust the timing of everybody so it really flows like you're in the same room the really interesting ones like there were two really interesting scenes that flowed way better than they should have like that just didn't get touched and they just worked yeah the first one was the very first fight scene yeah um for some reason i don't know if it was how matthew wrote it i don't know if it was how uh, you can not say matthew's was. writing i'm just going to say that right up front uh-huh. no way it was the writing i don't know if it was <laughs> I don't know if it was Alfredo, Eric, and Roland's acting the way they performed it. I don't know if it was my editing, but it when it was done, or the way I sound designed it, when I went to go actually make the sound effects and the punches and the kicks, it was in time. Like there was a rhythm to it. Like I can tell you at 138 beats per minute. Whoa. Um, so <laughs> when I went to when I went to go and score it mm-hmm. after, like to go do the music, because the music comes after all the sound effects. When I right. went to go do the music. I was literally like, I can write this like West Side Story. This is like a <laughs> stage jazz fight. Hmm. This is literally like, right. So when you listen to it in, like when you listen back to the episode and you listen to the first scene, everything's in time and it wasn't intentional. And, and then I the second really one- I really love what you did there too. Cause it is, yeah. what is reminiscent in that fight of is of the orchestrating that they used to do on the, the 1960s live action Batman, where, yeah. where like a punch <laughs> Was, was not just punctuated by a sound effect and by the big, you know, goofy oof or whatever. Wow. The but yeah, but the music, you know, punctuated it. And yeah, you do like the that horns and, would suddenly come yeah. in yeah. and just do a yeah. big, like... Yeah, you gotta have to fall. You gotta yeah. fall down. You gotta have your horns fall down a flight of stairs. And, That's the and I, know we sca- I know we scared Matthew because, like, you found this music and I heard it. I was like, oh my God, it's so great. And I was like, Matthew... That was the only scene you had heard up until like, it was And done. Matthew was yeah. immediately scared that we were camping the show up. That, like, we were just taking just, this gritty noir just, and just <laughs> making it into, like, you know, 1960s it was West, it was the snappy part of West Side Story, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But like, um, <laughs> See, if I'd said, here's the thing: if I'd said it scored like West Side Story, it wouldn't have panicked him. But I went with Batman, and it was just a, I tanked it right. <laughs> now, now you understand how every Batman it. fan feels before a new movie comes out, and you're right. just like, where are they going with this one? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the tone gonna be? <laughs> what the hell uh, are these and, morons doing? But understand, uh, like again, for the for the four of you. Josh and I have been tr- threatening to prank Matthew with terrible, terrible things. Like there was, <laughs> oh, oh, we had somebody oh, do like, so bad. We, oh, in the in Wonder Woman, uh, Heidi, uh, Josh, uh, Josh Fowler that played uh, Trevor. Yeah. 
we yeah. had to we had to re-record him because he sounded because of a technical error he sounded like his head was in a right. bucket about <laughs> half of the time like literally this loud metallic <laughs> echoey it, it was awful it was bad so, yeah it's, it was insane so we had him do like these terrible takes once and i was like okay Soldier here's what's B. gonna happen josh i want you to write matthew and send him this clip and you have to be very specific you have to say so kel and i got into a disagreement I really like these. I think this is the way we have yeah. to go. And he wouldn't even consider it. Tell me what you think. And I said, what Matthew will do is he will hear it. He will be horrified. An icicle will drive into his heart. But he will very calmly say to you, you know, this is interesting. I'll get back to you. And then he will literally, as he hits the button, my phone will ring. And he will say, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> oh, God, amazing. And we did. Yeah. We decided not to do it because I was like, because at the time Matthew was dealing with something else. I was like, Matthew might have a stroke, and I would feel guilty <laughs> if he stroked out. Well, we've over we've a, done it a, a couple times. Every now and then, when like, and it's always our, like when we get like when we record something and an actor takes it the wrong way and like goes the wrong way and like really camps it for something. It's the joke we make every time. It's like, okay, like, we're going to send this take to Matthew. We're just going to include it like in a real take. Everything else will be normal. Just see if he notices. Which I'm yeah. like, oh, you know. So I, but I was gonna say this was this was all leading to yeah. the second scene that wasn't edited that went really well is in episode two, the fight between Myra and Mikado. Yeah, it is not touched when you listen to it. Like, and part mm. of it is because Heidi, when you do it, when you did it, because you recorded first. I remember mm -hmm. this because yep. I heard it the second Chris recorded this. I heard what was gonna happen. When you recorded it, you recorded a lot of like ad libs, like you added extra struggle Runs sounds and fight noises yeah. and yeah, little yeah. noises in the middle. And then when Chris recorded, she just lined right up to it and all the fight sounds went right into it. it it's, it's, and so when I listened to it, I was like, yeah, I just so recorded good. the Foley like extra like jacket, like actual like cloth rustling sounds of like people grabbing and fight. And I was just like, it's it's right in time yeah Listen it's a that. vicious by the way ladies it's a vicious fight too it's a very vicious. Yes. it's woof, so cool. yes Ugh. i know you i'm, your, I'm uh, still it, getting used to writing action because i'm so used to writing for the stage and you know and, and we don't generally have the budget for a fight choreographer so i so like i'm still getting used <laughs> to writing like action scenes and i was just so thrilled to give youtube you know that kind of like i really wanted a myra mikado showdown you know at some point in this as opposed to just a question Mikado throwdown well and then and then for your uh for your for the easter eggs of the people who actually listen to our behind the scenes stuff uh the intro to that fight scene if you listen to it again it directly quotes the nolan batman theme like the hans zimmer like the <laughs> da, da. and then uh it goes for uh, five seconds before I get in big trouble for Hans getting Hans is like you wrote my theme so it very quickly jumps off that note into a different key but it's very like oh do you remember that this is kind of Batman like <laughs> yeah, but didn't you tell us that Hans Zimmer he kind of rips off his his, um, his the people that he mentors his assistants yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah, yeah. yeah. so I say Hans but I mean I mean somewhere I mean somewhere around Hans I'm gonna cut that part out I have a question I have a question for Fredo if it's cool yeah sure. so one of the things I geeked out over when I was hearing the table read even was just can you describe like how you went about finding the voices for question versus Vic Sage? Because that seems like <laughs> ridiculously fun, but also kind of intimidating to me. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, God, it's kind of hard to explain, I guess. I, I guess it was just a lot of it had to do with the research. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't know if you were more interested in the Ditko or the O'Neill. Um, uh, question but uh just in researching the ditko and you know uh knowing some of uh rand's objectivist ideas mm. and just sort of that that i the the hardness of that sort of individualistic you know uh um sentiment right just sort of mm -hmm. created like I, I don't know sort of like a distance to me in in the mm. voice which is why i kind of had that kind of like lower register that kind of had a weird 
uh, almost kind of quizzical sound to it a little bit. So like I was kind of, and I don't, I don't think I even did the voice right now, but it was, <laughs> it, it was just sort of uh, to me, like that's kind of like where, where it started to come in. And then obviously I, I had to counter that with uh, something else. So I was just pretty much using my own voice <laughs> for that. <laughs> and, and doing the table read was interesting because I had to go back and forth yeah, in the beginning yeah, between yeah. the two yeah, voices. And now you're just like, Oh God, which, which one am I doing now? Yeah, we yeah. cut we we cut Fredo the break when we recorded. At, like I believe it was at your request, but we were planning on it anyway. That he recorded the question and then recorded Vic Sage separately, so there wasn't like he didn't have to jump back and forth. Because yeah. there's one. It's I think it's in the second episode, isn't it? Where you're going out the door and you start the sentences Vic Sage and you end the sentences the question. Yeah. And oh, so, so, and it plays like you oh, can hear it's it. It's so very good. You you can sense what? where the mask comes on. Like it's well, so it's, good. It's so it's so hard to do because you only have your voice. There's no visual cue for that. There's right. there's you know it's it's so much trickier to make that happen for just an audio experience. But I thought you did a great job with with really uh, differentiating okay. there. Well, it was interesting because during the pandemic too, I, I did um, I recorded a podcast. Um, with uh, Gimlet slash Spotify mm-hmm. is the third season of this show called uh, The Two Princes. And it was, I think, the first time they've ever actually done something like that. Uh, but I play two different characters in it, and there's a scene in it where it's between those two characters. So, oh, that, wow. you know, that's that's how yeah. we re- recorded that scene. No, it I makes did perfect all of sense. That and yeah. then, you know, because, and it, it's interesting to like listen to it. I'm like, geez, that's a lot of mental gymnastics there if you're not actually. Uh, cutting it up yeah. yeah yeah wow yeah but it's fun fun stuff thanks for listening to another episode of the behind the scenes content for the question since remembered you can find us on social media on all platforms at the superhero podcast you can find us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash the superhero podcast thanks for listening